Welcome to Ramble City. Well, I mean, a lot of the songwriters that we chose in the end, we went with a song, first of all, I have to say that. We didn't go with the who wrote it. We just went, is that a good song or not? And it's actually a blind sort of taste test. Yeah, you didn't take 10 of mine, so that's why we know. <laughs> that just, no. <laughs> I sent you 60. That's why they started with 70. <laughs> He was desperate to get a cut. Uh, it didn't work. Sorry, Bradley. And, <laughs> That's all right. Hey, it, happened to, it happened to me too. <laughs> Basically, Vicar and I go, uh, but this song's going to be uh, something that we can work with. That's all we all we know. We know we can sing it. And, 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 and if they hung in there till the end, that was just a joy. I'm going to let you in on a tiny little secret. Making a really good record is actually really hard. I know you think, yes, of course, but when you really think about how many choices there are to make, the options are endless. Which songs do you record? Which studio do you go to? What band do you use? The producer? What are you having for lunch? You know, this is the stuff that makes a record. And what if this album is the first you would make for 17 years. Hello, my name is Bradley McCall. Welcome to this week's episode of Ramble City. Today we chat with Vicar and Linda, one of Australia's most iconic vocal duos. They came to prominence singing with Joe Camilleri's band, The Black Sorrows. I don't know what happened there. And they went solo in 1994 and released a run of records, receiving Aria noms, uh, a number one record. And then they continued to feature on some pretty cool albums with Ross Wilson, Hunter and Collectors, Archie Roach, among many others. We recorded this chat this year. Yes, this is a fresh one. And we recorded it just prior to the release of The Weight, their brand new record that is available now. And we take a really deep dive into how Vicka and Linda actually make a record. It's a really fun and interesting look behind the recording process. And I tell you, we laugh so much through this episode. It really, really is uh, a lot of fun. A quick reminder to follow me everywhere at Bradley McCaw Official. Check out our show notes for links to where to listen to The Wait. It really is a fantastic cracker of an album and, and, and after we've talked about it, you can go and listen to some of the tracks they've talked about and kind of, uh, you know, sort of study it a bit deeper if that's something you're into, which is always fun. Also in the show notes are links to my music from my upcoming solo record produced by Hall of Fame musician Louis Shelton and bass legend Nathan East. But we kick off the ramble proceedings with just how much has happened in the last 17 years and eventually get to the important things like lunch in the studio. And when they sat in with Billy Joel's band while on tour with the piano man himself, we cover so much. This is really fun. I hope you enjoy. I'm Bradley McCaw and this is Ramble City. Welcome to Ramble City. All right, so um, who wants to answer this, answer this first question before I... Vic, you go. Vic? Vic's heard it before. <laughs> she, heard, she heard the preamble and then we, uh, we went to throw it to you and then we went, you there? Hello? <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, so what I thought we could do is give your fans and listeners of the program an insight into like how you guys make a record or how you think about making a record or how a record comes about because, you know, everyone buys records, listens to records, falls in love with the songs, but they don't really 
have much of an idea about how these things are made. So in the case of this album, you know, it's been 17 years. That is that is quite quite a length of time. Uh, yes. I did the math. Um, it is four Olympics. <laughs> it is the Rudd-Gillard-Rudd government, like in succession, then a few more parliaments after that. So, I mean, the first question I wanted to ask is, you know, 17 years, what took so long? Um, exactly. Uh <laughs> Well, <laughs> look, we were we were just busy doing other things. I mean, it's, it's not yeah. like we were being slack or anything. I mean, we we were. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking you were being lazy. I didn't <laughs> want to say it outward. I didn't want to be like, "Hey, guys, <laughs> cool. I know you got a hundred songs just sitting on the bench." <laughs> well, you know, we, we were we were touring with other acts, and we were singing for other people. We were doing our own stuff as well, and then it was. I went to England to do the Edda James story and Linda said, while you're away, I'm going to start getting songs together for us for a new record. And this was about five years ago. So this is how long this this record has taken to get together. And I said, okay. And so Linda, you know, started co-writing with different people, would ring them up. She's not afraid to ring people up. She just gets on the phone and just makes the call. Yeah, I love that. The first person I'm going to ring is Casey, Casey Chambers. And... um, she said, listen, Casey, can you help us write a song or write us a song? You know, we want to make a record, a new record. She goes, are you kidding? I'm going to write you a whole album. And, like, in two weeks, <laughs> she sent us five songs. Yeah. So it kind of started from there. Mm. And then uh, Linda got the ball rolling. Yeah. And, and is, that how it's, is that how it's always gone, Linda? Can you put your hand up and say you're always the one saying, all right, it's time to do another one? Like, or wh- where does the idea of an album come from for you guys? Because I'm always fascinated that too, being such a strong duo and being such both incredible singers. And yeah. how does the idea of an album come about? Uh, well, it, it, I put my hand up to make the call to start together the songs, but together we, yeah. we work really closely together and we just go, are we ready? Yeah. If we're not ready, we're not going to make a record and say nothing. Yeah. And I think we just got to the point where we felt like we'd sung the songs in our set for so long, it's 20 years in between pretty much, we really needed yeah. to say something else. We changed as people. A lot had happened in our lives and we just thought now's the time. We both felt it, I think, that it was time to do something different and say something else and write, sing about the next chapter in our lives. So in that way it was a joint decision 100%. But the, the the initial steps to find those songs, um, I've done that on a few records. Yeah, first album I did that, and that was in 1994. And just so happened that this one happened again because Vicka was really really busy. So in the set list for a couple right. of years, and uh, but then when we got to record them, you know, they changed again, they evolved again. So that that's the interesting part, and. And, you know, just getting it, – it is a long process. I mean, it took five years. So, yeah. yeah. What is the th- feeling with these songs? How do you know that it's a song for you guys and then how do you know it's a song that you want to put on the record? I mean, they're probably two different feelings, yeah. right? One is like this is a good song. Yeah. Then one is this is a good song for us. And then eventually, yeah, you're right, you take the studio with that bunch of musicians on that day, it's going to be another song altogether. So how do those three things good question. present for you guys? Well, we start with the songs that we immediately respond to. And that list yeah. was, you know, that list was 70 songs written by 70 different people. Wow. And and then we sit there and we listen to it and we go, we know pretty much straight away, don't we, Vic? 
Whereas Lyri- a song has to have a strong melody and lyrics that we can relate to. Because if we yeah. don't know what we're singing about, then nobody else is going to understand us either. And yeah. it's a pretty simple, you know, equation. And the, the melody has to be catchy. And sometimes there are songs that we just go, oh, that's just too, that's just too young. Like we can't sing that. Yeah. Or that's just, I can't relate to that. That's just, I haven't had, that hasn't happened to me. They're immediately gone. And yeah. then we start with the songs that, you know, Vicka and I know, we don't know yet who's going to sing them, but we both like them. Yeah. Then that, that makes it to the list. And then we try singing them. Immediately know this is going to suit you, Vic, or me. But then we can swap. We can go, okay, I tried to sing a song, didn't work. Much better in Vicka's hands. So that, that, that song then makes it to the next level, you know. And then it's, it's just like a, a trial and error process. I mean, this is the thing. Like, yeah. Sorry, did you want to go on there? No, you go. You please. Well, it's it's the the mystery of all this is just of making a record is the thing that I always love to talk about because people don't know the mystery of this thing that is kind of day to day. You don't always know what you're going to find. You're just kind of being there. It's kind of like, you know, like a batsman that steps up at the crease and they're like, well, I know someone's going to bowl. I don't know where it's going. I just hope that i got to connect and, you know, it goes out into the crowd. That's what I love about when you hear great records. I don't think, you know, maybe back in the day we did, maybe we still do today, but when you listen to something that's really good and that works, I think we got to stop and go, well, that's a bit of a miracle. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Every good song is a miracle. This is me. Look, I'm just a big music nerd, so (laughs) that's sort of how I feel about it. So, I mean, I'm just going to, you know, (laughs) get up and and sing, you know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, we're not really, well, I'm not really, I don't write songs. I just don't enjoy that process, you know, and uh, luckily Linda does, I've got to say. So, you know, but even though she didn't have a song on this album because we picked the better ones, Thanks. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll edit that out. Don't no, worry. it's true. No, I'm joking. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's true. It's like, you know, you know, I'm more of an interpreter. You know, I think we're better singers than we are songwriters. We're definitely mm-hmm. better singers than we are songwriters. So, you know, we just, we're just so grateful for the gift that these songwriters gave us, you know, and, yeah. and then it's our job and our responsibility to, to do the best possible job that we can. So that takes a little bit of work, you know. It's yeah. like a bit of thought, okay, how do I want to sing this? How do I want to, should it be tough? Should it be tender? Yeah. You know, should it be, mm. uh, you know, can I use a different kind of voice? You know, do I need to sing it so high? Maybe we should bring the key down. So a lot of work goes into that mm. as well, sort of, you know. Um, then, and then the arrangement of the song, you know, maybe we don't need to, maybe we could drop that verse. It's a bit cheesy. I wonder what the songwriter will think about that because some songwriters are very particular about their lyrics and don't want them changed. Yeah. Others, others are, you know, they, 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 they'll go, yeah, sure, whatever, whatever you want to sing. But yeah. So, yeah, it's a, a lot of thought goes into how we want, how, how we want to deliver a, a, a tune. It's, and thinking about those differences between the the songwriter and the the storyteller, it's funny. I know when I'm writing songs, I'm often using a completely different voice than I do in the end when I'm actually like singing. Yeah. So for me, I'm like imitating kind of different songwriters, and that's kind of my that's my secret. But like that's kind of then how that kind of opens a doorway. And it's amazing then to think that then that's really what you're saying is you'll just get a song like anyone else would. Van Morrison says this too. He'll write songs and be like, I don't want anyone to hear it because I sound rubbish. It's not even me. And then I've got to go about working out how Van Morrison would sing this song that I've written. Ah. You know, pretty interesting, hey? 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Is there a song that spoke to you first on this record that kind of jumped out to you in the very beginning? Was there one? or was, yeah. I mean, yeah, raise your hand. The 12 crackers, raise your hand. Raise your hand, Belinda. Probably my heart is in the wrong place for me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, think for, I think for me when I was listening to it, Since You're Gone was kind of pretty wild. I really dug that. I don't, I, I don't know. It's funny. You never know why a song just <laughs> speaks to you, right? But you know, that nearly didn't but, make the cut. Didn't it? Yeah. It was one and of the first. Was, sorry. Go it was one of the first songs in, wasn't it? Yep. As well. And we yeah, we sang it live for quite a while. And then when we went into the studio, it was the last song we recorded, I think. Yep. Second last. And it nearly didn't, we nearly didn't, we nearly didn't play it to the producer, Stephen Chiran. And then we started, we played it to him. He goes, what, what the hell? What have you been holding this for? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, nah, 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 you're going to record that. And we're like, you know, thank God we didn't keep it that we, you know, because he completely changed the song. You see, we right. were doing kind of real stompy. Uh, he, yeah, he, he changed the whole feel. He, I mean, I'm so glad he did, and I'm so glad it's on the record. But the other thing and about Mimi, Mimi used to sing it. Yeah, yeah, I used to sing it, and it was extremely high for me. And I mean, Mickey can sing that in a, you know, standing on her head. And then we went, why don't I said, why don't we sing it together? Because the songwriter, you know, uh, he said, you know, I want Linda to sing it because we were just trying to divvy up songs. But then in the end, Vicar and I both sang it, and that was the best version we've ever done. Mm-hmm. In unison, saying it in unison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the quality of your voices together, the sound. Yeah, the... yeah. Have yeah. you ever thought about bringing in one more bull to kind of go all Bee Gees? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a short answer. Let's take a quick break and let's come, uh, come back and talk more about the album. One of the, my, my biggest thrills about reading sort of the PR about the record was that you recorded in eight days, the old school way. You know, I love this idea. You can hear it in the freedom of the band, sort of the natural interplay, people just kind of playing in the moment, just feeding off each other. It reminded me a lot of um, Bring the Family, John Hyatt's record, you know, the very guitar driven, I don't know how many days that was made in, but it felt very natural and um, there's only one way to get that kind of vibe and that's just make a record that way. But it sounds like that that wasn't kind of the way you wanted to make it necessarily. Is that true? Does this, did this just come about because of lockdown or were you always going to say we're going to take a limited amount of time? Oh, we had a lot of discussion about how we were going to make this record. Right. Didn't we, Lulu? Yep. yep. A lot of discussion. It was a pain in the neck. It was, <laughs> you know, where we're going to do it, who we want to produce it. How do we do it this way? Do we do it that way? You know, what instrumentation do we want? And in the end, we went, shit, lockdown. Okay, this is crap. Uh, we have to do it as quickly as possible. Bang, bang, bang. We want these musicians. And we had we were forced to do it live. Do it that wow. way. So really, I'm not saying we were forced to, but that's the way we chose to do it in the end, isn't yeah. it? I think, I think the way, what one thing we did know, and, and this was at the top of the list always, was that, they had to make the vocals, they had to be front and centre. Mm. You know, the songs The songs were the most important thing and the vocals, they, we wanted to be heard. And I think in past projects when we worked, the band always went first and we always went last. But this time we went, no, in order to achieve the sound we want to be heard, 
the producer has to know how to record us, number one, which Stephen Tran yeah. has worked with us on five different Paul Kelly albums. So he knew how we sing. And we have to get the band to do it and sing along with them and then just turn us up. You know, it's pretty simple. <laughs> so even your vocals were live? Yeah. 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 Wow. We sang it with the band, everyone in the studio. Bang. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go that far. That's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and most of them were first takes. Yeah. So, you know, it was just one of those things. It was like the stars aligned and we were just like, yep, we're with the right people, yeah. we're, with, we're who we should be with, and it just happened. It's exciting. It yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it, you can hear it. It's just got that energy that just jumps out off the record. You know, you hit play and you feel like you're there with you. You can't, you can't make that up. No, you know what I mean? Great. That's what we wanted. You know. <laughs> Yeah. No, it really reads. Thank you. Can you reckon, do you reckon you could give anyone that's never been in a recording studio, you know, so people out there that love you guys, that love your music, that that love records, but don't know what it's like for a day in the studio for you. Do you reckon you could give us like a breakdown on what that looks like? Like with this album, give us, give us one of those days, whether it's day one or day eight. I mean, day one, it's all exciting. Day eight, you're like, I wish we never made this record. <laughs> I mean, so maybe pick four or five. Maybe that's a sweet spot. I don't yeah, know. You go okay. Well, day one's always a write-off, you know, it's like. Really? Yeah. You know, cause you're getting sounds, everyone's getting their thing together. You're getting used to it. So you're pretty much the first day is just spent stuffing about, right? Everyone yep. to find their way. And then it happens very quickly. After that, once everyone's sort of found their feet, it happens very, very quickly. So then we will start our day at about 10 o'clock in the morning and we bring breakfast into the studio for everybody. Everyone nice. has a turmeric shot and, uh, and then, you know, an egg and bacon roll and then there's vegetarian options for all our vegetarians in the band and then... Um, they play then, five bm too 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 fast after that shot, do they? Is that <laughs> they start five bm too fast? They just slow down over the day. You hit them with another shot. <laughs> yeah, no, they like that. They they really enjoyed their turmeric shot in the morning, and then then we then we'll go in and, and do a song. And usually we get about two songs done a day. So you know, yeah. so in it, we we don't go past eight o'clock because we're most productive in those hours. I think once you go mm. too late, you just it's you just you know it's just downhill from there you've just got to you know your best works in the morning really so we get there we do as much as we can and then the afternoon is spent uh, polishing them up say you know doing overdubs and things like that mm. and then yeah lunch dinner home that's it two songs breakfast lunch tea good night clock in clock out i'm done Basically, yeah it's like a day job so that's how we treat it you know that's and we work yeah. very very quickly and very hard Lindy, you, you got anything that? you want to add to that? No, I think it's just put in a nutshell, you know, we love food. So it's all around food, really. <laughs> There's food on either side of lunch and dinner, um, uh, songs on either side of lunch and dinner. But uh, I think. I love this idea. For me, it's coffee. <laughs> like, for me, it's kind of like everything revolves around where the coffee is, who's going to get the coffee, yeah. who are we sending up for coffee. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, that's not- There's, off, there's yeah. about five coffee runs a day. Yeah, oh, it's, and then you get to the end of making the record and you're like, I wonder why I've got a headache on like day nine because I've woken up and haven't had any caffeine for an hour and your brain's yeah. just shutting down. I think, I think that's true, but I think with Vicar and I, particularly with vocals, it's like first cab off the rank when you have to sing at 11. The, the song choices uh, are important because you don't want to blow out mm. your voice before the end of the day. Even though we do one or two takes, we tend to start with a song that we know is going to come to shape when we're making a record. We start with the songs that we know are going to come into shape pretty quickly and we leave yeah. the harder ones till last, um, which is what we did. 
we, we we waited. Some songs we'd never sung live before. We hadn't even done Teeth before. Uh, wow. And that, that came together on the day. Yeah, we left it till later. Have, have you always worked this way, guys? Has this been the way that you've worked since the beginning or has this developed over time, just developing a way that you like to work as opposed to kind of working in another fashion? <sighs> Has it always revolved around food? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good. It, it, Next question. It, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we actually, we, Vicka and I have our roles. Like Vicka's very good on picking vocal takes and she just goes, she hears straight away when something's off and just says, oh, maybe, maybe you need to sing that again or yeah. uh, puts together, pulls together the best vocal take very, very quickly. It's really hard to do. Um, it is. It's a real skill, isn't yeah. it? Because do you, and so does that mean that you have a bit more ability to be, what's the word I'm wanting, pragmatic or yep. not kind of be critical but not too critical? Because, I mean, I was Marsha Hines did the show a couple of days ago. We were talking to her. I was talking to her and she was saying, I said, of those albums in the 1970s, I really love them. And she's like, oh, I'd never listen to them. I'd never listen to them. No, there's too much I don't like in them. And I was like, that's that's kind of the thing. Do you feel like that's what you're doing when you're listening to them, Vicar, or are you just like you're able to discern – which bits work and which bits don't. And it's not personal, it's just you're working. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. What sounds best? Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, now, nah, don't, you know, yeah, it's what, it, it's what sounds best. So, you know, we, we, we'll do one or two takes, usually two, and do the rhythm section first, yeah. and then we'll go in. We don't like layering, we like everyone in. That is the most enjoyable way for us to record, especially mm. me, because I don't really enjoy the studio. Because you're yeah. under the microscope, so yeah. So, uh, but I can. I do have the ability to like get 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 Linda to sing a couple of takes, pick the best take, and then get the best bits from the second take, put them into the first take, and then if something really stinks, get her to sing it again. Yeah, she's very so, very decisive. That's like, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you need someone then, to do that. Yeah. And it's mm. great having producers there too because. Uh, for us because we've sung together for so long that to have fresh ears and to have different ideas is good for us. So, yeah. you know, they'll go, oh, how about you sing it this way or how about you do this harmony instead of that harmony? It's like, huh? why? And I go, because yeah. it sounds good. And it's like, okay, so we'll give it a go. <laughs> you know, so that's a great thing about having a producer. Yeah. And they go, that's why you hired us, Vicar and Linda, you know, like, <laughs> hey, guys, you know. Well, did we? Yeah. Or we just need someone push the buttons? No. I'm just asking the question. No, I'm joking. No, no. They want, you know, this is what you wanted us No, for. producers are very important. They're very important. Mm, very. They, we need someone to go get our coffees. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It better be. <laughs> is this when I segue to the first record with Paul Kelly? Is that what I do? Is that a gentle segue? I'm joking. <laughs> All right, let's take another quick break and let's come back and talk about um, some of the songs on the album and, and I guess how you guys went about picking them and the amazing musical royalty that you worked with. We'll be right back. All right, so if I made you pick um, your favourite song on the album, which kind of sounds like I'm trying to ask you to pick your favourite writer. It's such a rude question and contractually and legally you're probably not allowed to. You're probably not allowed to even talk about this but because there's so many incredible writers that you've worked with on your album. So Ben Salter, Paul Kelly, Don Walker, Casey Chambers, Bernard Fanning. There are so many more I'm not mentioning. 
Is it hard to pick a favorite for you guys? Was it just kind of the one that feels good to you the most? Or maybe it's more about the one that you enjoyed singing in the studio the most? How do you pick between your favorite kids? It's difficult. Uh, do you want to answer that question, Vic? Vic is just oh, nodding yeah. her head saying, no, I won't. I'm just not doing it. Next question. <laughs> yes, so you're, you know, who's your favourite child? But Well, come on, you know who your favourite. We know. We know. Everyone knows. <laughs> She's already got one. Yeah, and so it's not that one. I, <laughs> I, I reckon, you know, it's, we do have ones. Oh, look, I like them all different for different reasons, you know. Like, yeah, that's a good answer. You know, so I love my heart is in the wrong place. You, that's one of my favourite tracks on the record because, because of, you know, the times we're in and because everyone's felt like a bit of a loser at some part of their life, you know, yeah. a bit of a failure. I, I, you know, I could relate to that. It's like, you know, well, why, you know, and especially what we're going through now, why, why do we even bother? Why should we bother? Everything keeps getting cancelled, you know, but you've got yeah. to push through, you know. Yeah. So I like that song for that reason. I love Rabbit Hole too because, because it's, it's a song about desperation and, and how you're going to get out of a situation, you know. And then, um, I love Miss You in the Night because it's like, um, uh, you know, it's it's tender. It's not being sort of like, you know, hey, you know, even though you're not here, I still miss you, you know. It's like mm. you're still vulnerable, you know. So I like it for that reason too. So, you know, I like this record because we can be tough in songs and then we can be very sort of, you know, um, heartbroken in others or, you know, feeling like really sad. So yeah, there's different different reasons for every single song. And for me vocally, just if you went, like Vicka's chosen to say it's really important because she's concentrating on what we're singing about. Um, and for me then too, if I was to choose kind of moments that I think vocally where we stepped up, um, I think Teeth is one of those songs because it's got five five harmonies, five different parts. It starts out in unison and then it splits all over the place. And so we're pulling out all our little tricks that we've learned as backing singers uh, for 30 years in one song. I think that it shows our influence, ABBA, an ABBA influence that, you know, we grew up listening to ABBA and we've pulled out kind of vocally interesting tricks that people don't often hear us do. Um, in Since You're Gone, Rika does this kind of wild banshee vocal, which is yeah. insane. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of what she can do. And, you know, I think also for me singing sort of rockier numbers, I don't, I don't normally do that. And so I think it's it's showing off different sides of our voices that I'm I'm glad we got on tape. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I know it's a terrible question. Yeah. It's such a rude question, isn't it? <laughs> but it is. But it is. But we got so many interesting points there. Thank you for sharing that. That's really great. One thing I was also wondering with you guys is like when you're picking your songs, I've got kind of a suggestion you can use this in, in later years if you want for the next record if you want. So when you make another one in another 17 years, <laughs> um, you can you can use this if you want, which is it's 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 not like the one for you, one for me rule. It's the it's like three no's. So you've each got like three no's and you can use the no's at any point for any song. Just like, no, not that one. No, not that one. No. And then when you've picked your three, then you sneak in your seven favourites. That's the way to go. Yeah. True. It's a That's a good tip. Yeah. I've got brothers and sisters, so, I mean, you know, you've got to. You've, you've got, got to, to save your nose. <laughs> okay, we'll it. save our nose. Yeah. 
All right, so quick, a couple of quick fire questions before I let you go. Thank you so much for, for talking about the record with me today. Um, one thing that I didn't realize when I was looking through, you know, doing some research for today, and so Chain Reaction with John Farnham, I didn't know that you guys were a part of that record. Any stories you can tell us about that just for me as, you know, as a big fan of that record and anything that John would hate us to talk about would be really brilliant. <laughs> we were part of the Chain <laughs> Reaction <laughs> Choir. We were part of the Ooh. choir. Vanetta Fields nice. was the leader of that choir. Yeah. And we sang with Jack Jones, Vanetta, I think Lindsay Field, all, all of John's singers were there. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Edwards, Lindsay Fields, I think Joe Crichton was in the band then. Uh, there was a big choir, wasn't it? Yeah, because. Oh, was that 12? There was 12 of us and they were split into two sections, high and low, pretty much Vanetta had done that. She shoved me with the men because my voice is so low. <laughs> but we had been singing with Vanetta and the Black Sorrow, so she knew how we could sing. She was our mentor. And that's how, she, that's how we came involved because John was a fan of our uh, stuff with, or not a fan, I shouldn't say that. John knew of us with yeah. uh, our work, through our work with the Black Sorrow, so that's how we became involved. So now everyone that's just heard the story, go and listen to Chain Reaction and hear the choir difference because it's really cool, I think, to sort of once you hear those little things, if you can't pick them sonically, to go and return to the song and kind of, you know, it's a cool way to kind of learn more about records and listening and things like that. All right, and the other one for me, this is another geeky thing I'm going to ask you about. You toured with Billy Joel in 95. You guys were supporting him, right? Just tell me something about that. I'm a huge Billy Joel fan, so I just have to ask about that. For me, I'm legally asked... (laughs) everyone about Billy Joel. So any little stories about that or anything that was kind of interesting about that? Yeah. We Well, we became really good friends with the band and they, they came and they sat in with us at our own shows, uh, Liberty DeVito. Get out. No, all those boys. Liberty, They yeah, were fantastic. Man. So we'd do a show down the, you know, whatever local pub in Adelaide and they came down and played. They sat in with us. That was wonderful. And the Lords of 52nd Street, he, hey, that's he brilliant. He kept singing, sending us Christmas cards. He was just beautiful. Well, and there was wow. interesting that band. It was interesting seeing, you know, like a, a stadium band perform, you know, being in that situation. It was like, you know, and having to open for an act like that, it's just, it's just, it's shitty, right? It's just, because <laughs> no one really wants to see the opening act, you know. Yeah. It's a really hard thing to do, yeah? It is, so, yeah. Yeah, and then you're playing in these sort of stadiums that are like, Okay, this is huge. You got, you can hear yourself really well. It's like, yay! I can hear myself. You can hear the front of house, which is fantastic. And then you get to see the band, yeah. and they're like, you're like, oh my god, oh my god, these people are just insanely, just just Monsters. so talented, and just and watching Billy Joel play his piano and sing every night. I've got to say, he's got a, an amazing voice. Very Incredible. Powerful. We kind of auditioned. Incredible. Yeah, we we auditioned for that job. Like, like Michael Gadinsky was instrumental in kind of going, okay, Billy, we've got all these acts from Australia and, he, and we, everyone kind of did three or four songs and Billy was in the back of the stadium and he chose. So, wow. yeah, we got the job. That's a, that's a brilliant story. Yeah. All right, and one more, one more quick one about your first record. All right, last question. This is to send you off. <laughs> okay, so I want you to imagine that you're at a dinner party, okay, You've just decided that you're going to make your your first record, and p- people are sort of asking you about what the record's going to be like, and you have to tell them what it sounds like. What is what is this record? You know that awful thing oh. about you have to tell people the music that you're making. You know, like for me, this record's like Blue Eyed Soul, kind of Motani, kind of retroy, kind of make me want to throw up over you. I'm sorry. <laughs> how, how did you describe that record to people when you were starting when you went solo? Our first one. 
your first one. This is your baby photo, right? This is this is the baby photo that's on the mantle. <laughs> folk. I guess. No, folk. I know. I know. No, here we go. We said we said we want it to be written whole one hundred percent only by Australian songwriters. We want it to have an Australian flavour with harmonies, and that's our, that's all I remember saying to the songwriters when I rang them up. Just I want it wow. to have an Australian flavour, and that's what we ended up with. Do you remember anything else, Vic? No, no. Yeah. I, I, I remember dinner. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, I couldn't think of a better place to end. That's brilliant. Vicar and Linda, their new album, uh, they've been waiting for dinner for 17 years <laughs> and it uh, seems that's the only reason they went and made another record is because the food's really good near the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go and listen to it, guys. It's a really wonderful album. Really, really brilliant. It sounds wonderful. Congratulations. <laughs> and thanks so much for being on Ramble City. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. We had a great time. <laughs> thanks, Bradley. This has been Ramble City, a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life, and their careers. Created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit ofm.com.au.